Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I want to speak to you on the subject of success without compromise. Success without compromise. Every one of us love the idea of success. Nobody wants to be a failure. Nobody wants to be what many would call in just lay terms a loser, if you will. We have things that are being said, like if you're second, you still lost. And it's all meant, I guess, just to kind of give more pride to those who cross the finish line first. But there is no doubt that everyone likes the idea of winning the crown. Every one of us as men certainly want to be able to do something in life that will be remembered. You know, one of my biggest prayers, it really is, and and maybe it's a little wishy-washy to somebody, but for me and my wife will verify uh, that this is one of my biggest desires, is that my children would remember me as a good dad. That they would remember me as a good father. I've done everything I can, I believe, to be a good father to my family, a good husband to my wife. I also pray, one of my biggest prayers, and my wife can verify this again, that I leave a testimony with you. I have served you for close to 30 years now, and I pray that my walk before you, though frail sometimes and sometimes inconsistent, I apologize and repent for that. But everything I've done, I've done with a desire to leave a good testimony and a good example for every one of our families. That's my earnest desire. If there is any time that I share a tear, shed a tear as I'm praying, it's when I'm praying these specific things because these are eternal feelings that I have. I really do mean that. This is not a job to me. Some people call ministry a job. Where do you work? I don't work. I'm not employed as a normal person. This is a calling. And it goes much deeper than working for HEB. Now, that's an honorable place to work. I'm not saying anything. But what I'm telling you is that when you're a call of the Lord, it's kind of different than standing in the unemployment line. But I've always wanted to be, in my heart, successful, at least to feel successful at whatever measure God called success for me. You as a church will determine that in your own opinion. But what's important for me is that God would look at me as successful. That he would look at me without shame or, or without the hesitation, rather in heaven, say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. That's success to me. That is my desire. I want to talk to you this morning about a young man we are all very well acquainted uh, and if you've never read the story in Scripture, you'll learn, you'll learn the Scriptures today so that you can read about him. There's a lot to learn, and so many people over the years have preached over and over, and I'm sure much better sermons that I could ever offer you. But still, he is an example to me that I want to speak to you about. This young man was able to achieve success without compromise. 
And when I speak of compromise, that is, begin to do things according to the world. L trying to find your personal gain by doing things that are contrary to the nurturing of your walk with God. It's a challenge in this world today because everyone likes shiny things. Everybody wants the big house. Everybody wants the clean and office with a window. Everybody wants a nice car. Everybody wants a good place. Everybody wants to be respected. Everybody wants to be called sir. And everybody wants to be looked up to. And in this world, you have all those levels in the corporate ladder and in social living. But some people have not earned it the way the Lord would have had you earn it. This is why you find people in businesses closing down because what they started to do in order to find their success, they began to break the law. And we've seen businesses by the hundreds crumble over the years where because of their desire to succeed in something, they did something illegal, something wrong, something contrary to what God have, would have had them do. Now, it doesn't have to be something major like that. It can be in anything. Anything you want to be successful in, you can always take a particular alley or a particular turn, a particular uh, 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 method of doing things that might not be what God wants you to do. This young man knew exactly what he needed to do. And it's not because he was looking for success. It's that when you do things according to God's will, success will come. You know, a lot, a lot of talk about prosperity preachers. I'm not a prosperity preacher in that sense. But you cannot talk about God without talking about prosperity. Would you like me to talk about a God that's going to impoverish you? No, you cannot include your conversation without talking about a certain prosperity aspect of God because God always wants to excel you. I'm talking about Daniel. This young man that I believe sets an example for not me, but I believe millions of us in this world teaching us how it is possible for us to be successful without compromising our relationship with God. Let's read, can we? Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, guys, if you would. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king the actual king of that principality, who has assigned me your food and drink. He told me what to do with you, how to train you, what to give you to eat. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? You know, what he's saying here in this conversation is that the king has given me what he thinks is best for you. If I don't give you what the king my king in this world is going to give you. You're going to look sick. You'll never get ahead. You're going to look worse than everybody else if you don't do the way you're told to in this principality. The king would then have my head because of you. 
Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. In other words, if you see something, some decay in us, then have your way with us. You see the level of faith and confidence in God? Let's do this. We're putting our own lives on the line. We're going to trust God for this. Allow us to show you just 10 days. And when we're all sick and dying and starving, then you can come and have your way with us. You can throw us out or put us in a dungeon or do whatever you want. But go ahead. Let's test these things. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding. You see the flow, the escalation of good things coming now. Not only did he heal them health-wise, but now all of a sudden academics and skill and knowledge began to flow in their lives. These four young men, God gave knowledge, understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel, Daniel could understand visions, dreams of all kinds. And at the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal. None equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah. So they entered the king's service. How beneficial, huh? He didn't do a thing to make them who they were, but yet he said, come and work for me. I could use successful guys like you. Come and enrich my kingdom. Come, let me use your talents. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about the which questioned them, the, the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Daniel 6 and 1, I'll read this, and then I'll, we'll get on with our conversation this morning. It pleased Darius... To appoint a hundred satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them. And one of them was Daniel. You see his climbing up success. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators that the satraps by his ex by, and by his ex exceptional qualities, the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. On we go. But you see, when success comes, ladies and gentlemen, don't ever forget that someone's always jealous. This is why you should be careful who you tell about your blessings. You should be careful who it is you are letting know what God is doing in your life. I know we're told to witness to everybody, but you have to be discerning sometimes because you're speaking to the devil's ear. And when you say, you know, God is promoting me and God's been, oh, yeah, jealousy comes in. And the first thing is a scorpion strike to your heart to hurt you. And this is exactly what happened to the lives of these young men. At this, see, when the king decided to put Daniel above everything, 
He was going to be the total CEO manager of the whole kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds and charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They found themselves pure. Daniel had gotten to the height of his life. He was now second in command of the kingdom, one of the richest kingdoms of his time. Even though someone tried to accuse him of bad things, to bring him down to a level where they existed in, they could not find anything. The Bible says to us all in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. God doesn't want anybody to fail the test of purity. 2 Timothy 3 and 2 says, now the overseers is to be above reproach. That could reference fathers. You are the overseer of your house. You are the father to your children. You are the manager, the priest, the king of your household. And we are told here that if you are an overseer, that you should be above reproach. That is, you should be above rebuke. People should be able to look at your life and find nothing with you to accuse you of something wrong, evil, illegal, or what have you. It's a powerful word. And it's a high demand, but it's only for those who want to achieve success and keep the Lord in their life. There's nothing wrong with success in God. Some people have the idea that in order to be a good Christian, you must be impoverished. No. When you're a Christian, you're a Christian. When you're impoverished, you're just poor. Has nothing to do together. Well, you see, this guy drives a nice car, and he's the pastor, or, or he's one of this or the other, or he works in the church, and look at him. He lives really well. Somehow they equate Christianity with poverty. There's nothing wrong. God is not afraid to give you what you need. He's not afraid to give you success in your business. A million dollars, they're dust to God. To have a business, a successful business that is giving you over and above, even if you stand head and shoulders from other people across this land, it doesn't matter. God is not impressed with the wealth of this world. The Bible says that he is the owner. He is the, the, the main herder of, of the cattle of a thousand hills. Everything belongs to the Lord. Everything created is by him for him. So what kind of jealousy would the Lord have? But he has a problem when success lords over you. And so purity is important. See, the Bible is filled in, with accounts of a lot of godly men and women worthy of our emulation, of our copying after living our lives as they did, such as Daniel. This man obtained preeminence, distinction amongst those in his world. He became a man of high honor, highly positioned. He became famous of sort. How famous was he, Pastor? Well, here we are several thousand years after he's gone, and we're still talking about him. How famous is that? How many will remember Pastor Soto in the next eight months when he dies? 
Oh, one. Thank you. It, it's a moving up. I'll get two next time. But you understand what I'm saying. Here we are talking about this several thousand years after the life of Daniel. We're still mentioning him and using him as an example to, to honor and distinguish, being distinguished in the Lord. How a young man could set an example for us to, by living a pure life, God gave him all the excellence he needed. There's many in Scripture. So how did he do this? Let me give you just a little bit this morning. Gentlemen, if we want to have success without compromise, you must be a man of purpose. You must be a premeditated man. Premeditation by definition is someone who sets his mind, his heart to do something. I was speaking to Orly this morning as he was taking the notes for this message. And I said, you know, I want to use in this first principle, I don't know if purpose or maybe premeditation. But normally when you hear premeditation, you normally hear premeditation in a crime story. Right? It was a premeditated murder. But still, by definition, what does that mean? He had set it in his mind to do it. And so the definition is right, and the word is proper, quite frankly, if you can get murder out of your head. But he was a premeditated man. He was a premeditated young man. He was a focused individual. He was a man of direct and clear aim. He didn't allow the random flow of his life to take over and wash him on shore and take him here and there. And What are you doing? I'm just going anywhere. That wasn't his life. He was premeditated. He was a man of purpose. He set his heart. He anchored himself to his vision with God. This is what I believe we lack as a church completely today. In a lot of places... There are no premeditated Christians anymore. No people that have really decided and said, you know what, regardless of what's around me, regardless of what's offered to me, I have a vision, I have a purpose, I am premeditatedly taking every step toward Christ. In Daniel 1 and 6 or let's go back up a little bit. Verse 5, the king assigned them to a daily amount of food, wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Amongst them from Judah was Daniel. And verse 8 says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food. He Resolved, he concluded, he finished it, he put a period on his opinion, on his desire, on his plan. We could almost use the word stubborn, but again, we equate stubborn with someone who's rebellious. But I believe that God is looking for stubborn Christians. Stubborn Christians that are refused to be moved from their direction toward God. See, all these words are proper. Just definitions have been now equated to negative things in this world. We now, all of a sudden, you think about uh, this and you 
bring it together with something that's negative, but to be stubborn is not a bad thing. It's a bad thing when you are a child that is stubborn or a husband or a wife you're stubborn. That means that you don't want to do what you're told to do. But I don't think God has a problem with us being stubborn children that are chasing after him. Because he knows that anyone will come to try to stifle you and bite the ankles of your walk with God. And you'll refuse it. You'll keep walking because you're stubborn after Jesus. So he gets to this kingdom and he was challenged immediately. Now, I want you to understand something that we just can't gloss over. He was offered the king's table. Can you imagine what it was to sit at the king's table? He was offered the king's wine. It was the choicest meat and the choicest drink. It was the choicest wine chalices and gold on the table. The chairs were the best in the whole uh, uh, kingdom. The service was not five star, but ten star if one existed. It was the best place for them to be to say and have an invitation to say, come and sit with the king. You will eat with me. You will have breakfast, dinner, and lunch with me. You'll sleep. You'll drive my Cadillac, my, my uh, uh, limousines. Uh, you'll have my drive. You'll have everything. Can you imagine the offer? And this kid was, they say, about 16 years old. Well, I don't care about 16, but I find it hard to resist even at 64. <laughs> Amen? Come on. You know I'm telling the truth. Ah, uh, some of you went like. Ah, <laughs> uh, you wouldn't blink twice if someone said, listen, man, this is the way we run business. And don't worry about the things we do here, but you know what? Hang out with me. Oh, he's the boss. Yeah. You can drive my Audi. You can drive my Land Rover. Yeah, come on. You know, here's a credit card on the, you use. And come and eat with me at my house and tell everybody to give you what you want. But don't worry about the nasty stuff that we do to hand because that's just the way we run business. But don't worry about that. Yeah, I'm not going to look. I'm good. Where are the keys? Success. Everybody thirsts for it. But not just only Daniel in Scripture we find, but we find that the Lord did it in the life of Joseph. You remember Joseph? His brothers hated him. We see the sign of jealousy again when he had that dream. And we have a story. We have a name for him. We call him the Prince of Egypt. Because from nothing to his own brothers wanting to murder him, all the way to being the governor of Egypt... The next in line from Pharaoh. He was one of the Pharaohs. But God had favor over him because he loved God more than anything. We have the story of Moses. You remember Moses, of course. The Bible tells us about Moses that he refused to be acknowledged. He refused to be enriched by the riches of, of, of Egypt. He, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh. 
He chose better to suffer with those who loved Christ, with those who loved God. He chose better to be known as one of the Hebrew children than to be known as the very CEO and president of a worldly system. But he had, listen, he had the king's chariots. Everybody was pushing around just simple little Volkswagens. This guy was rolling big. How many of us would give up our walk with God because of that? And Daniel, at such a young age, he said he wouldn't. And the prime example of someone who was a man of purpose is our very own Savior, Jesus. You remember in Matthew chapter 4, I believe it is, yes? When he was taken to the Mount of Temptation? Remember? What did the devil say? Listen. Stood him at the apex of that mountain. And he said, look. You see every shining star. You see that whole city. You see all that? All of that. All of that can be yours. You can help me manage all of that. You see? Look, look around. As far as the eyes can see. I'll give you all of that if you'll bow down and worship me. And we know the rest of the story. The Lord rebuked him. Because it is written, you will only worship the Lord thy God. That was Daniel's confession. I will not sit at that king's table. I'm a man of purpose. I'm a man that is premeditated in his walk on a daily basis. And this is the kind of man that God is looking for today. Someone who will become premeditated in righteousness and in following the Lord. That nothing can impress them. He doesn't turn around at the first sign of shiny things. At the first promotion that even though it's wrong and it's hurt people and all these. But it gives you money to the pocket. You're doing business. You know, can I tell you a testimony? It's already late. I know it is, but it's Father's Day. And the women won't mind that much. I used to have a business a few years ago, and it was a, a business where we collected cars. It was a, we collected cars for certain companies. We were a repo. I guess people know it as a repo business. I had that for seven, eight years. And when you come into business, ladies and gentlemen, you know, you're doing the best to find accounts, and you go to, you know, Chevrolet, you go to Ford, you go to all these buy here, pay here companies that have lost cars that aren't paid for, and they would pay me money. Uh, to get my trucks and go pick them up wherever they were at. And they would, I had a fee for that. So that's how we worked for those many years. But as I was starting, uh, we had fixed, I had bought a piece of property in the shop and everything was beautiful. Our trucks were clean. Everything was fine, good representation. And the sheriff, and I don't mind saying who it was, the sheriff, came to my business one day. And he said, how you doing? I said, oh, man, the cops, what did we do wrong? He goes, yeah, I'm Sheriff so-and-so. I said, yeah, Sheriff, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, this is my associate. Hey, how you doing? He said, it's a nice business, Soto. Is this yours? I said, yeah, wow. Put a lot in this thing. I said, everything I had, how's it going for you? I said, it's doing, you know, starting to pick up. We're new. We're about six months, seven months into it. We're getting some accounts and barely making the light bill, but we're doing okay. He goes, how'd you like to make some money? 
I said, oh, everybody wants money. I'm in business. I love to make money. And I said, he's the sheriff, so that means that these guys pick up a lot of cars all the way. And I said, man, if I can get a contract with these guys, it's awesome. I'll be, have work, 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 and it'll be fine. Thank God. But then he says, listen, it's a really nice shop you have. Can I take a look at it? And he walked around. He goes, wow. You fit a lot of people in here, a lot of cars in here. I said, yeah, it's a, not very big, but it's good. We're happy with it. He goes, listen, uh, you know, I have about 300 employees and I think he's talking about all the police officers, the constables and whatever it is. And he says, uh, <clears throat> I like to treat my men well. I said, okay. And uh, every now and then I like to throw them a party. You know, Christmas. and you know, Sometimes it's somebody's important birthday or whatever. And I, 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 I pay for it myself and whatever. And we need a place. We need a place to have this party. And this is a real nice place. I will thank you. I wonder if we could maybe work something out. I'll give you a lot of work and maybe we can do this. I said, okay. I said, well, you know, I don't have no trouble you coming. All the police officers got to be safe. Everybody has a gun. I said, it's all good. I'll clean it up and have all the police officers come in there and have a good time. He said, listen, I would ask you just because, again, I'm going to give you a lot of work and it's a lot of money. I said, tell me how many cars, you know, I'm ready. He said, yeah, bring me some, if you bring me some cabritos and some, maybe a little bit of food and cook it out, whatever. Oh, and also, I just want to tell you that uh, they, they do like entertainment. I said, okay, that's good. Well, I, can, I play guitar. <laughs> he goes, no, 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 not that kind of entertainment. Okay. What does that mean, Sheriff? He goes, well, you know, they, one, I, I do need an Uber service. You know, you guys, you think you guys can drive our drunken police officers home? So I, we don't want anybody picking them up. I said, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, really? Sure. <laughs> of course not. So I was listening, but then he went downhill real quick. He says, you know, we have dancers come in. I said, oh, really? Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, we're here four, five, six hours. As long as their wives will let them. <laughs> I said, Sheriff, it's really nice to meet you. Let me reintroduce myself. I'm Pastor Soto. Because he knew me as Israel Soto, INS Recovery. I said, yeah, let me reintroduce myself, Sheriff. My name is Pastor Israel Soto, Pastor Rock of Ages, for the past 15-something years back then. Oh, Pastor Ah, es todo, Cristo para adelante, brother. Oh, con Diosito todo se puede. Oh, con Diosito. Hey, hallelujah, you know what I'm saying? He left and I never got a job from that guy. Never. But how much money would I have made? I'm proving a point. I won't finish today, obviously. I'm not going to keep you that much longer. Even if I give you just this one principle, I want our men. To understand that success is achievable even at an easier pace if you're just righteous. If you become a man of purpose, your marriage will heal if you become a man of purpose. Your children will begin to obey you if you become a man of purpose, premeditation to be a good father. I've done everything I can. 
I have been premeditated in being a good dad to my kids. I do everything I can, even if I feel raunchy and angry at that moment, to be a good grandpa to my babies. I'm predetermined. I'm premeditated. Even though I don't feel like it sometimes, the stress here, the stress there, the stress at business, the stress, whatever it is, the bills, I don't care what it is. Even if I don't feel like it in that day, still my premeditation, my purpose overrides that and says you've got to stay on it. Some of you have felt like walking away from God during your term here. You know what makes you different from me? Nothing. Nothing. Every single one of us as men, and I'll stand on the floor and tell you, every single one of us as men feel like walking away sometimes because life is difficult. But you might say you won't walk away because you're a pastor. No, listen, I know how to work. My dad, if anything, taught me good work ethics. I know how to make money. I know how to work. I run business. I know what it's like. I'm a businessman. I was born under the arms of a businessman. So I don't need this to maintain my, my wealth. I could walk away from this pulpit if I saw something shiny enough and there was no purpose in my heart. What makes you and I different, man? Nothing. Just like you don't want to get up sometimes to do something you need to or to come to a men's meeting or to kneel and pray. I feel like that too, just the way you do. But what can make us different, you and I, is that I am a man of purpose. I have chosen years ago when the Lord saved me to say, you know what? I am going to premeditate my walk with God. I'm going to do everything I can to keep in the narrow. I'm going to keep with the eyes of, within my head looking at Christ. I'm not going to allow anything to sway me. When this offer came that I told you about in my business, I was pastor already. I was pastor already. I could have easily destroyed my testimony with all of you once you found out that I had a bar in my place. But no. You see, what defeats the devil's grip is when you become a man of purpose. Is when you turn around and say, it is written and in my heart, I and I will serve the Lord alone. I don't need anything beyond me. I don't need. That's what Daniel was. This is why he was able to walk into the best of the best. This is why he was able to be offered the best and say, no, thanks. Now, there's nothing with, wrong with you taking the best if it comes in righteousness. Because there is a good way to do good business. There is good way to, to do good business and be legal and earn your income and become wealthy and become successful and whatever you determine success to be. But I'll tell you what, once God begins to speak to you and speak success to you, you'll have the devil sneak in and say, hey, why do you want to do it that way? You can always do it this way and make more. You, be, you can become president of that company if you'll just do that. You can become this if you just step on those people. If you'll just ill speak these people, if you'll just push them aside, if you'll just come and sneak your conversations with the boss, you can always work it out that you might, one day you'll be the CEO. And that nastiness, 
which prevails so much in the business world today, begins to take over. God wants a man of integrity, a man of purpose. And I know that you and I can become those men. We can. We can choose today. We can premeditatedly choose today to become men of purpose. I'm going to finish this message next week. Is that okay with you? It's already time. I know it is. But if I want you to take something home, is this. God can give you success, men, in every aspect of your life, from family to health, socially, business, whatever it is, if you'll just become a man of purpose. Daniel resolved in his heart not to defile himself. Men, don't defile yourself. Because if you think you're moving forward by doing things that are wrong and not nurturing to your relationship with God, you're actually just moonwalking back. And I have witnessed that over the years. I've had men cry in my office who are at the top and all of a sudden got demoted to the lowest. All because something happened. He may have blamed something else, but it was just God saying, hey man, you built your own Tower of Babel. You build your own bricks on your own. I didn't tell you to build that. I had another way to get you there, and getting you there was not a problem, but you decided to do it your own way. Become a man of purpose. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.